When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com, and the entire crew is not here. That's right. Uh, Josh has got the week off, so uh, we didn't want to bother him. And uh, to be honest, dead period going on, not a lot uh, to talk about uh, in the world of recruiting, so good time for Josh to get some time off. I will say I'm just surprised that uh, he has disappeared completely off the face of the earth. That usually doesn't happen. Uh, but, uh, this is true. even the war room, like, I think I've seen maybe a thought bubble from him a time or two, but he's never really followed through. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. So I don't know, maybe Tiffany took all of his stuff away from him as possible. Uh, I saw some pictures on Facebook where there was some, uh, woodworking being done in the background, some clamping and gluing, I believe. Uh, Are you jealous of the uh, the wood shop that he has out there? <laughs> oh no, I'm not jealous. I uh, is that just amateur work? Is that what that is? No, he's got good stuff. I I I mean, I can tell he's got some good stuff. He's got a, I mean, his table saw is just a a contractor saw. I mean, it's you know it's a nice Dewalt, but it's Ouch. nothing that threatens just. me. Nothing that threatens my maybe he's going to surprise us. Too. He's putting together like a like a sweet bench for like the lobby area at the office or something. I don't know if he'll ever be at the office again, to be honest with you. <laughs> not going to drive up the 950 with the bench and the bed of the truck? No, I told him. Whoa. I mean, I told him it's possible. Yeah, like Bob statue in the back? Yeah, he'll <laughs> yeah. just build a Josh statue <laughs> uh, to put it in the lobby. So people are like, oh, that's our Lord and Savior, Josh McQuistian. Uh, That'd be kind of cool. I think that'd have a great presence on Campus Corner. <laughs> uh, well, you know what fun. we could do? We could put a stripper stripper pole in the lobby, uh, just to, just like as that. a uh, you know a memorial to uh, to Sugars. I mean, if we play our cards right, maybe we could get the Sugars pole in there. I bet we probably. I don't know what they're doing. With maybe it. we should move on that. Yeah, I, I mean, hopefully that's not in a scrap pile somewhere already. I don't know, like if. I I don't know what they're doing with that building. I I really have no idea. I I thought somebody had bought it at one time, but I don't know. You're down there more than I am. I I don't think that anything's moved into it yet. No. Uh the problem is, you know, there's nothing next to Pickleman's. There's nothing like stuff goes out but it doesn't come in. That's kind of a problem with Campus Corner right now. Uh and I'll say this though. I mean, there's no shortage of uh, kids there on Thursday and Friday and Saturday nights. I mean, that place is still hopping. Yeah. 
Uh, well, we were talking about it the other day. There's so many kids nowadays. I say kids. I, there's so many people nowadays that are living north of Campus Corner. It's like yeah. completely kind of different from when I was down there because of all the new housing up there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, like you drive. I'm sure people that come in on game day, like they've gone down uh, Jenkins or something to get out of town or to go to downtown, uh, and they see like all the new townhouse living that's down there along the railroad tracks and. Uh, they've just crazy. They've either built new houses where there weren't, or they. It's kind of like the rest of campus. They come in and they buy up a house and they just basically raise it, uh, and then rebuild something on top of it, or just build some, uh, just luxury home on top of the home that was already there that, that goes all the way back to the end of the property. So, uh, I I still regret that when I first moved back to Norman that I did not, or when I first bought a house, I didn't get anything on campus. There was something that was right behind the beta house, which that would have been hell uh, because that was before they expanded the beta house. Um, and it's just, I will say this, like, yeah, you know, we get this all the time on the boards, like people that only come into town for game days and maybe they haven't been in a few years, but like, I'm sure you've probably taken a drive along like you know fraternity row sorority row just amazing how much that place has changed in the last 10 years yeah it seems like just about every fraternity and sorority house have uh upgraded there's only like about three or four houses that are just remained unchanged from the days of like when you went to school or when i went to school in the 90s yeah, and even like the Lambda House, they've renovated the inside of it. it just have they? Because the it looks changed. the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they've they've gone in and done some stuff inside. So, um, you know, Delt's building that new house, obviously, because theirs burned down. We built a new house. The Fiji house uh, is really nice. God, yeah. 10 years ago now. Beta redid their house inside. Uh, and and all the it, I think yeah. Alpha Kai's redoing their house right now. DG's redone their house. It's a lot of money. There's There's plenty of money to go around in Norman right now. Maybe they need to start using that for NIL purposes as well. Well, some say they oh, should use we into that for the basketball, uh, basketball arena. arena. Yes, there was a complaint on the board <laughs> oh. after the game last night about. And look, I think we can all agree. Uh, I mean, we we we've all agreed for a long time. Lloyd Noble needs something. They they there was even a master plan that was going to be it was being developed alongside the football master plan. And I know it's still there because last time I brought it up with Joe Castiglione, I was like, yeah, we still have that. Uh, but there just hasn't been a good time to release it because they don't think they can raise the money for it. Um, but it's just, it is what it is. And and I know I saw, you know, Eddie, you sent me the link yesterday that people are trying to revive that uh, community arena over in the, yeah, the North Park, thing. the North mm-hmm. the University North Park area. But it sounds like the people behind that are kind of, it's kind of a half-hearted effort. It doesn't sound like it's got the blessing of the city. motives, maybe? Well, the problem is it's being brought up by a group that has tried to basically overthrow the city government. Um, So they're probably not going to get a lot of support there um, in in getting something passed to, to do that. So who knows? But... Anyway, we said we we jokingly said that you know Josh is gone. We can make this a basketball pod if we want to. Uh, truth is, we really don't have a lot else talk to talk about besides basketball. No, uh, right <laughs> well, now. Here's the thing that the thing I always say about the Lloyd Noble Center too is, I it because because they have the the practice facilities there. Like, is it Florida? I can't. I always get these 
these mixed up. Is it Florida or Auburn that went in and just completely renovated the inside of their current or Alabama, maybe that renovated the, they just need to move the seats closer. It's a terrible, yep. it's a shitty mm-hmm. basketball arena. Yeah. Cause it's a multi, it was built as a multi-purpose is, arena. Yeah. The structure, like they don't need to be holding uh sonic flood concerts down at the wood noble center anymore. There's other places to do that. Uh, they, if they could just go in and bring the seats closer and it would take like a complete overhaul in there. Uh, I think that that the facility is still very usable. It just, I don't know. Like the, well, the idea of building I'm, a brand new arena has always been kind of foreign to me. I haven't seen the master plan that they've, uh, the un, it's almost like uh, there's just this vault that holds this master plan that shows you what Lloyd double. But I mean, I know that they had things like luxury box seating and somehow they were going to uh, do something with the concourses to, uh, you know, to to make that happen and, and all this. But I would love to see exactly, you know, what the architects came up with in order to make that happen and to make it yeah. because it is. Yeah, you would really have to almost square off the arena because it's just a big oval right now. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, and. We, I think we all three know the best way to get seats, uh, people in the seats. That's win and win consistently. And the Lloyd Texas. Noble Center can be a pretty fun yeah. place to watch a game when it's packed. But when you throw last out clunkers like they did last nights. night or last know, night, any of the- that was the first time this season where I was disappointed with the crowd. I get yeah. it. Like TCU, Kansas State, even I was like, I get it. That's just not going to draw up excitement. No one's going to be fired up about seeing that. But it was Texas. But you have a team that's in the tournament, even if it's last four in, last four buys, however you want to phrase it, going against a rival, 6 o'clock. I know that's a tough time, but this was a must-win game, and that atmosphere didn't feel like a must-win situation. And it's an all-time cop-out, too, isn't it? When... People and you know fans or whoever say, well, it's the arena why people aren't showing up. That, I, I f- I've always felt like that's just a. Concept. It is. It is. Nobody, it always nobody's has going been. to talk about the structure and the architecture of <laughs> Lloyd Noble Center. They just don't want to go watch that shit, and that's okay. Like I'm not going to get angry about that. It, it is what it is. I, you know, I have plenty of friends that have kids that would love to get down to Lloyd Noble Center. Six o'clock's tough. So is eight o'clock though. So I get it. But at the exactly. same time, it just it is what it is. I, you know. It, it was if you really wanted to be there, you were there last night. There wasn't any sure. weather to keep you. It wasn't like it was an ice storm. Like there's apparently getting ready to be tomorrow. Like it, it, it was, it was doable. If you wanted yeah. to be there, you could have been there. That would have been the first time. Would have. I mean, I'm not going to ask that in post game setting, but actually ask Porter Moser. You know, did you fully grasp that this is what you would be coming into? Because the crowds in December, like for Florida and stuff, that was. That's pretty good, and it made you feel that January, February, it was just going to keep building, and it feels like it's regressed a bit. And I know he's worked hard with the students to do everything he can there. And I, I believe the students are free, correct? Like he yes. may, like it's just flat out students are free the rest of the season, and that's been okay. But it, it's just like it felt like after the losses to Kansas and Baylor back to back. He never got the common casual fan to come and return for here's, the rest of the life. Here's part of the problem. If you are on, well, not even if you're on Sooner Scoop, like if you're a, 
a dedicated OU hoopser or something, and you're on their message board. Like, you know, you understand the position Oklahoma is in with the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, you know, that they've been squarely in even after all these losses. But I'm telling you, to the casual fan, they just look at it like they don't understand that. Yep. They're just like, they look at it like this yep. season's been a failure. They have a losing record in conference. This team isn't any good. They're not going anywhere. While, you know, I, it's just really hard to get the casual fan excited about this team when they have four wins in conference, even though. Uh, you know, Joe Lenardi's had them squarely in the tournament, you know, every step of the way. Even has them in this morning. Don't you think, too, that it's one of those things that there isn't, I don't know, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but there just isn't a connection with some of these players because there's so many new faces. You know, if, if you have a guy that maybe has been around for four years, you have mm-hmm. like a, a, I don't want to say a relationship by any means. Yeah, but, but I, I I think people were ready to get behind Tanner Groves. They loved oh, him. They loved three, his they look. It's sure, it's sure. it's on him that the fans have not you know just just fallen in love with him because of his play. I mean, like he wasn't even a factor last night. Like it's he gotten to the point very well at home. No, it's he gotten to the point well where I mean, it's well, almost he, like a can't play canner situation. It, it, it became last night. Like they just could yep. not play him because. Uh, Shagwa was just doing better, and and he was just. I mean, that they were falling apart when he was on the floor. I mean, he went up to KU and he made those threes, and he made it a game. Uh, and then he just comes home, and it, it just any time he plays anyone that has any size inside TCU, uh, anybody, it just it's ugly. It, I mean, he was. I know you guys were covering the game last night, but. Basically, Fred Fraschilla was just clowning him uh, in his in his defensive oh, ability last really? night. Oh, they had no answer for him inside. You know, Bob, I I think the most surprising thing, it two things, I guess, and it it, it, it kind of came to light again last night in the first half. We saw it a lot in the uh, TCU game two weeks ago. Uh, was just I don't want to say a lack of urgency, but offensively they couldn't get to anything in the first half. Now they did a little bit better in the second half when they started going down to Jalen Hill inside, but that was almost a makeshift, like not, nothing else is working. This is like a last-ditch effort. And then just how poorly they've shot the ball yeah. at home has been, yeah. like, five for 23, they're not going to beat a lot of teams. They I were mean, they were thankful to be down by two at halftime. They were 31% from the field at, at halftime, and you mentioned five of 23 from, from three. Mo, Mo Gibson's four of six. So the rest of the team is one of 17. And, and that's when you can't get anything going with your offense because defense isn't going to respect anything that you're going to try to do from perimeter because they know you can't get it done. And you, you bring up wide open look for three, can't can't get him to fall, and and then you start you know pressing and it's like where where else are we going to find it? And when Tanner Groves doesn't have it going on 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 that night, it just makes it so much tougher. Everybody else. It, it was it was a slog. That's a, that, that that that's my word. A slog to get through that first half. Jalen Hill kept them in it with all the free throws. Yeah. Second half and overtime was actually sort of fun once you got past the fouls. But that you know that 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 first half is where they really could have set set the tone for what they're looking to do rest of the way. Instead, they had to end up trying to play catch up and then get to where they want to be from the jump. Well, and you know what's we crazy is yeah, Jalen Hill was such a big factor on the inside, on the interior last night. 
and you just ask yourself, okay, so why can't Tanner Groves be a factor? It's and it's it comes down to yeah. really almost like he's just not very athletic. He's he, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a lot of as much as you think he has a post game, and as much as he he tries to execute a post game, like he just gets. I mean, he gets shut down left and right when he tries to yeah. to to do anything on the interior. Like it's it's become apparent that no one's really scared of, you know, defending him in the post. I think that he's I think he's athletic enough. I don't know if he's strong enough to that's, be able yeah. to do that inside. That's, like that's I, a good point. He needs to have a really good summer and granted, you know, I I assume he's planning on coming back. He needs to have a good summer and just get flat out stronger a bunch of those guys do uh to be able to play and like here's the other thing that i it sucks i mean it's just the reality that oklahoma basketball is in right now i don't think that this team is just terrible by any means i don't like i think they're a good college basketball team but they're playing teams that are really good and when you see how close they are i think that's the thing that like I walked away like last night thinking about was something that moser had talked about just the fact that you know, you look at the last two and a half weeks, they've played really good teams uh, and they just haven't been able to get over the hump over the Kansases or the or the Texases like last night. And that's they've why been swept by TCU. I mean, ugh. yeah, well, that, you, that's you, what gets you fired up. Is if they would have played like this during the week. They beat TCU twice. And so it's like it took bad losses that you sure. couldn't afford to have them wake up and they are playing at a pretty good level. You think about, you know, back-to-back loss by two points to Kansas and, and Texas and destroying Texas tech last week. But it's like, eh. but here's, yeah, here's so where, here's where I am in, in the frustration level. And this is, I think the frustration level of, of basketball fans that do know what's going on. It's like, okay, yeah, they're close. They're this and they're that, but you look back to the football season, Michigan was close, uh, Cincinnati was close, but when it came down to it, Georgia and, and Alabama were just on a different level. So it's like, what are we doing here? Like, are we just chasing our tails? Like, because you're going to get to the NCAA tournament and you're going to lose a close game to other teams that are just better than you. Like, even if the, six, the Sweet 16 is full of Big 12 teams, you're still not one of the better teams. So... It's just like you have to be able to make plays when they matter, and this team just cannot make a play when it matters. I mean, they got the big defensive play from Elijah Harkless last night. They got some plays from Jalen Hill down the stretch, but they cannot. I mean, to have Shagwa take that shot at the end, you know, in overtime. I mean, drive to the basket. Yeah, drive. I mean, it's just like they and even the even the rebound off the rim on the missed free throw it's like as you yeah. pointed out uh bob like goldwire was ready to kill somebody. goldwire was just sitting there clapping his hands trying to get like, the outlet give pass me the ball. like what are they doing they make such poor decisions in crunch time on the offensive end two and yeah. six two and six in games uh decided by one yep. possession you know we we asked I, I asked moser about the final possession regulation it was just if it's clear they wanted goldwire to you know be the facilitator and he'd been doing a good job of that been a, been able to do the the pick and roll and just get still get into the lane and then decide what he wants to do and i think that what they were going for texas changed the way they defended it led the shagwall being wide wide open but instead of rolling you know and cutting to the hoop he popped out had the 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 wide open three 
I don't think in that situation, Shagwa is going to be able to make a couple dribbles and score in the final two seconds. So I'm okay with the three. It's just because of the fact that he, he popped out instead of rolling to the rim. He rolled to the rim. He might be wide, wide open and then just not even have to dribble, just catch, make it, and then Sooners win. But Jordan Goldwire is starting to become what I think OU wanted him to be. And then maybe that's uh, something you can build on going into the final three weeks of the season. He's finishing strong at the rim and is finishing strong in the second half. We saw him make those threes in Lawrence. He had some crucial buckets last night against Texas. You, you know, you're still kind of iffy when he's taking threes, but he's got confidence and he's yeah. been able to show through his production that he deserves to, you know, want to be the guy in that moment. Out of everything still last night that you go, oh my yep, God, he why does. did he and take And he that? did last night. He had a couple threes <laughs> and that pounding the score table. Like, what is going on? But when it's crunch time, he's making some really good decisions. He went sure. 38 minutes with one turnover coming off a one turnover game in Lawrence. I mean, he's doing a great job of, you know, being the floor general that everyone thought he was going to be. And the one thing I wanted to see last night, which we didn't see, was for Goldwire to hit a couple more threes to see like, OK, this is building because this will really help the offense and this could be something that they can hang their hat on going forward. It just didn't happen, and he tried to hit, uh, you know, he tried to take some of them. They just didn't fall. Um, but here's what, we were bearing the lead a little bit. Uh, Eddie, you were standing right there as uh, Chris Beard <laughs> left the floor last night. And a, 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 I don't know if you knew who the young man was that yelled at him, um, calling him a traitor. But it got him to stop in his tracks and make a beeline over to the young man. What was said, it's actually Eddie? Kind of amazing. What was said by Chris Beard? So it's after the game. Everybody's walking up the tunnel, and he was just giving him shit. He said something to the effect of, "The kid said something to the effect." He was a college student. They were sitting down there on the floor. He said, uh, "He said Beard's a traitor. Go back to tech or something like that." Just kind of razzing him. And usually, you know. Beard just walk off, but like he kind of about faced it, came back over, confronted the kid, and it, it really wasn't anything uh, over the top. I think people are try probably making a bigger deal than it actually was, but he said something to the effect of, uh, does that make you feel good? You don't know me. <laughs> and the kid like kind of completely backed down. I, I, he should have he, he said something to him. He should have gotten his face, just looked him dead in the eye and said, do something about it. Hit oh, me. my God. Swing. That would have been awesome, but it was kind of a nothing burger. I thought it was pretty funny, to be honest with you, uh, just the way that – because you never see, like, a coach, like – I don't know what – I think sometimes everybody is just having one of those days where uh, it something just triggered Beard there. When uh, he they won it. the game, too. They won the game, too. Like, normally you would just see him walk off, but I think that it's, it's probably, probably because like, he didn't have an outlet. He didn't have an outlet after that Lubbock experience to do anything. So, But well, that'll show you how much that bothered him. It was kind of one of those things, too. It's like, you know what? Like, I'm going to let the Tech fans give me shit about the decision. Like, Oklahoma fan, you shut up. Like, you have no <laughs> – you can't comment on this type of thing. I kind of felt like that's what it was. I like Chris Beard, though. I think he's a really good coach. I thought it was funny. Well, and we could see your reaction from Dylan Buckingham's video last night. So I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that that just happened. <laughs> the, and you know what? Like, 
the whole thing, like, I guess in a nutshell with Oklahoma basketball too. And I, I think that there's a little bit of this out there, uh, among the fan base, like at the same time, don't we need to kind of remember what Porter Moser's taken on here? Like I I've seen some people starting to get a little bit flustered with Porter Moser just as a whole in the I guess what they look at as the outlook of the program moving forward, I still think the trajectory is in a really good situation. It just, you got to kind of remember what the expectations were. At the beginning of the year, we said, if this team makes the tournament, it would be a really good year. Albeit, you look at the last five games, they need to win three of them to have Mm -hmm. a good feeling going into Kansas City, and we can get to that. But, we do need to probably remember what the expectations of this thing were at the beginning of the year. And, but, but that's why it is important. Sure. I think for him to make the tournament, just no, to right, say, Tom. you know, he get, yeah, they'd probably be what a 10 or 11 seed. If they continue on this road, probably get bounced in the first round, but to say you made the transition to OU, you had a makeshift roster, all the new scholarship players, you know, trying to find nine of them and you got to the tournament and that, you, you can sell to recruits because you know, that's, I mean, right. It's about instilling the culture. The only way you can do that is through recruiting is by getting your guys. And if you can make the tournament with, you know, this makeshift roster that you had to do at the very last minute, then you start saying, now look what I can do now that I'm here, I'm entrenched and I'm getting my, my guys. And we're going to take this where I think I know that it can definitely go. You still think seven's, no, seven's the goal? Seven wins? Well, they need to... I think Bob and I kind of talked about it earlier. It's like they, they got five games left, and really they got four games left because they're not going to love they're not. They're not going to love no. uh-uh. So you got to win your two home games against West Virginia and, and uh, Oklahoma State. And then the other two that are out there, it's a Saturday's trip to Ames, which, you know, Iowa State comes back and beats TCU last night in Fort Worth. Or the final game of the year up in Manhattan and Kansas State all of a sudden is kind of in Oklahoma's same situation as far as peeking in on the NCAA tournament and trying to re- improve their resume. So is if it Kansas doable? State didn't have COVID, they would be a tournament team. I agree. I agree. I mean, they're they're what? They're like six and seven in conference like that or seven and six. Like that's a lot better compared to some of these other teams. And that's what's weird. Like they've like, oh, you struggled so much. If they have one good stretch and they're going to play the two teams that, that that can get them there, Iowa State and West Virginia, they would avoid that 8-9 game in Kansas City. You know, the thing that, like, caught me off guard that you said, Bob, that is kind of interesting is, like, does Oklahoma want to play in that 8-9 game to get another quad one win? I And I don't know. It's like, I, I don't think that the eight, nine teams would get in above the team that finishes in seventh necessarily, but resume wise, it's very obvious that not obvious, but I don't think that the NCAA tournament committee is taking your conference record into consideration as much as that overall body of work and what the uh, entire resume is telling them. So, I mean, it, it, is it over? No. No. Is it an uphill battle? Obviously, they got to get some wins. You got to win. You got to be able to steal a game on the road at some point. And, and and you don't have that 
marquee win coming up chance. That's what sure. Texas was. That was the next top 20. You'd have Arkansas, you'd have Tech, you'd have Texas, you'd feel really good. And then you have some, you know, quality wins like like Florida and going to Morgantown. Like you've got some things in your bank. But now it's like no matter who you win against the rest of the way, unless you get to the second day of the Big 12 tournament, none of these wins are going to pop out. So you just sure. have to take take care of business and not falter. They're 39 in the net rankings. They went from 37 to 39. Like Everyone respects what they've been able to do, but they've got to go at least three and two here. And again, that's, that's sort of what we've been saying. You have to win a game on the road where all these, these other teams have been doing it. TCU, you know, what, uh, TCU wins in Ames and I would, and Iowa state wins in Fort worth and KSU wins at Texas. You've got to get one of those road games that you had no business winning initially and ended up getting that upset. And that hasn't happened yet. Cause Morgantown was a road win. West Virginia was, you know, spiral was on the downward spiral too. You've got to get a win against a team where it looked like coming in, you weren't going to get it. Just missed the thirty-minute mark on just straight basketball talk. Boom! Very disappointed. We didn't get there. Um, by the way, I should mention uh, Dead Soxy back to uh, the Valentine's Day special is over, but they are back to. Uh, Uh, 25% off for the uh, using the promo code BOOMER. Just go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Check it out. They got the Oklahoma collections. Eight different socks for you to choose from in the Oklahoma collection. Now you can get the uh, uh, four packs as well. You can get the eight packs. And, uh, Eddie, I know, uh, Bob, uh, I don't know how often uh, you've had a chance to wear your dead Soxies at this point. I bust them out for basketball games i I have my soup my superstitions hmm that's interesting i don't wear one that says oklahoma but i I, I, I wear a lot of red wow okay uh i i think you get to a point where you just stop worrying about that if you've done it long enough it's just like i don't have a lot of red stuff in my closet and i didn't for for a reason but then you just get to the point where you just kind of like look you know me i'm not homering it up here i'm not Wishing people good luck and stuff in press conferences and all that. Like, I'll do what I want now. Yeah, you ran. You ran the former head coach out of the uh, out of the state. I mean, I and then brought in some a say. new head coach that doesn't know how to coach. Yeah, that's a little weird. But yeah, go check out deadsoxy.com. Uh, use that promo code Boomer. Get that twenty five percent off. Great socks. Uh, get stocked up because. Uh, you just need to have something nice to put on to go outside with, especially with the colder weather and all that stuff. It just makes you feel better. So go check them out, deadsoxy.com. Thanks to them for uh, supporting the pod, as always. But, yeah, um, there's been a little I, – I saw your uh, – you know what I, I had today? I got a notification saying that uh, Eddie Radosovich has a new TikTok. Like, that's that doesn't happen very often with you, with your TikToking. Uh, yeah, no, I put together a TikTok from the stuff last night, but I did put a video together after the Tom Fornelli stuff because <laughs> it's I've kind of gotten a kick out of like if any national reporter says anything like slightly, not even negative, just like, well, I mean, they do have a new coach and like, you know, maybe it's not crazy to say that uh, they have some things to prove. It's like, 
every OU fan just like like jumps down the throat of somebody. Uh, yeah, like how did we as, not get attacked for the Doomsday Pod preseason pod that we did last year? Which a lot of that shit some came true. Still weren't buying in with Riley and Wiley. Sure. Well, you still had people that just like nope. Well, and Rattler too. I mean, to that moment, I it it's it's kind of a complicated subject because I do think that like we're in it every day. We're in like this bubble, and we kind of know. Well, obviously know the the pulse of the fan base and the pulse of kind of what's going on inside the program, uh, where everybody feels like you know things are very healthy right now with the turnover and with Brent and the staff that he put together. So from the outside looking in, I can see why somebody would say they lost Lincoln Riley. He tied Bob for the most wins in the first five years as head coach. You lost Caleb Williams. You've lost, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Perry Winfrey, Brian Osamoah, guys that played big, big roles in this defense. I can see why people would say Oklahoma might be having Take a, a, step back. a step back yeah. this next season. I, I get it, but I also understand being inside the bubble as far as the argument and saying this program feels a little bit stronger, a little bit more sturdier than it was maybe a month ago or two months ago. The, the trajectory of, you know, what I think Oklahoma fans want the program to be might be on a better path than what it was under Lincoln Riley. I like, I just don't think that people from the outside looking in, I don't want to say like how bad things have gotten because they, I mean, they went 11 and two. It just, I, it, it, isn't it a very complicated discussion in trying to explain, I guess, the ideology of the Oklahoma fan right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, a it's a terrible way to say it. I think with OU fans, they have a lot of insight into the problems that were, you know, that, that had kind of plagued this program as Lincoln Riley's tenure went along. And um, someone had, uh, Someone had, it, I don't know if it was a, uh, I get confused if people DM me or if this is a message board post or something on Twitter. It's just, there's so much stuff that floods in. And somebody was saying like, you know, I think that they were kind of, their opinion was like, I wonder if Lincoln just had gotten so tired of the constant criticism that he knew going 11 and two and not going to the big 12 championship like the off season was going to be horrible for him and people were going to be questioning him for the first time about his his ability to lead a program and if it was like was he did he was he, did he kind of run away from that narrative that was going to start forming before it could form and you know OU fans have lived with that they know all that stuff is there and then they see Brent come in and his staff come in and it is so much more football centric than it is, uh, you know, glitz and glam like it was with Lincoln. Like Lincoln was all about selling the program, all about, uh, you know, the stars that were in the NFL and 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 what OU could do for players and um, you know why they needed to come here. And it was it was a sales job constantly about what OU football could do for you. Well, Brent comes in now, and the focus is completely how do we make OU football be a great football program? Like the, his focus is is strictly how do we get better? How how do how do we how how do you, how do you get better? Like what what? And they're talking a lot about the standard and all that stuff, but 
and it's just like with all the support personnel that he's hired, it's not about social media and it's not about uh, and nothing. I'm not trying to rip on like Zach Heffley or any of those guys. I'm just saying there was a small army that was built around publicizing Oklahoma football under Lincoln Riley. With Brent, his army is built around supporting the players, supporting the program, and kind of bolstering them to, you know, with whether it's strength and conditioning or the soul thing that they've started. It just seems to be more about the players that are here than the players that they want to be here. Sure. And I think that's a welcome change by everybody that they, that, most fans can relate to that. They they appreciate that. I I don't understand. What is the shortcomings of Venables that is being nitpicked by the national people? Because for years, hasn't he been the assistant that everyone's like, he's the next one right. to become a head coach at a major program. And now that he has it, is it just because they're moving to SEC? Is that the only thing? That's the only reason I feel like, nah, that this just isn't a good fit at this time. I I don't know exactly what Tom Fornelli said. It, I mean, I'm just going by like what Eddie, what you said, which is he, you can't he have presented. Go ahead. He he just presented his argument poorly, in that his 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 basic argument was. Oklahoma is going to have a tougher road to hoe when they get to the SEC. The schedule is going to be much tougher. Everything that goes into it. We've covered this before. But his take was basically, I think that he gave uh, he gave the hire of Brent Venables like a, I, I forgot what the exact wording was, but he just said, I, I think that he basically said that kind of what we've talked about, the turnover and uh he used like the 2000 since 2009 Oklahoma was five and five against SEC teams, but didn't mention that, you know, four of those come in college football playoff games. <laughs> uh, just, just stuff that was nitpicked by Oklahoma fans, obviously, and rightfully so. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I think that there is just this, this sentiment out there that like Oklahoma right now is pretty easy to be picked on. And people know that, if you take a shot at Oklahoma fans on Twitter or social media or wherever, kind of like a, uh, a Colin Cowherd type that they're going to give you engagement. And Oklahoma has a rather big following on, on the social media apps. And I think that people know that it's kind of easy catnip right now to be able to go out there and kind of poke the bear, if you will. Yeah. And let's face it. I mean, Colin Cowherd certainly lit the fuse. Um, for anyone to get pissed off about national media. Uh, and, and even before that, yeah, you, you know, the Stuart Mandels and Pat forties and at times it's just like, it's exhausting, you know, because yep. it's just constantly, uh, people telling you like, Oh, you're, you know, you're a jilted lover. You're, you're, that's why you're, you know, acting out. And it's like, no, we're acting out because Lincoln Riley dicked everybody over. Like, and you just have to let people have that. It's not, you know, you don't have to also kind of kick us when we're down, I think, from the fans. And that's how they felt. But well, you're right. I just saying, there is like this you're saying like five and five in the SEC and pointing that out and it's going to be a tough road. Like, yeah, we've all said that. Like, we know it's not going to be easy in the SEC. And we've even said, like, 
hey, no, no hurry to get out of the Big 12 right now because you still need to build this program up a little bit before. And I think Texas feels the same way. They, they, know, they, they see the same things. Texas fans do. Yeah, and Texas fans even more so than Oklahoma fans. I mean, I, it just, it, again, it's just kind of difficult because if you're in, the, if you're from the Oklahoma bubble and you speak out against it, it's like, well, they're just they're blinded by this mm-hmm. this idea that they're going to walk out. I don't think anybody's saying, oh, he's going to go twelve and 0, 11 and one every year in the SEC. No, I think what Oklahoma fans are saying and what people that cover the the team are saying is. They feel like everybody that like I I talk to people that are on staff down there. They feel like they have a better program today than they did in December of 2021. They're going to be now, better equipped going forward. Sure, and th- that doesn't mean that they're going to go beat Alabama tomorrow. It doesn't mean that Brent Venables has won any football games yet. But I just think from a, a program standpoint, things feel pretty healthy right now down there. And for everything that they've been through, uh, you know, whether it be Riley stuff or whether it be Caleb Williams leaving, the way that they rebounded, the staff that Brent put together, get Jeff Levy in here, uh, get Dylan Gabriel as as basically, a, you know, I don't want to stay a, st- a, a stopgap, but like to be the starter after you lose a quarterback like Caleb Williams and, and the ceiling that we all think that he could be, it's been pretty f-ing incredible. And I think that well, that's almost been discredited in a way. But yeah, what's been weird is like some of these coaching changes are just like, oh, like Cristobal is going to get Miami back to where it's supposed to be. Or Napier is a great fit for what Florida is looking to try to be. But for some reason, Venables to OU just isn't registering like national enthusiasm. Yeah, I think that's probably because Cristobal's done it as a head coach before. Napier was one of the hottest head coaches in the country. Like, you can always question, like, okay, what's Brent? And I think it's fair to say, what's Brent going to be like in game management situations? Like, how is he going to handle mm-hmm. that? How is he going to learn that? Um, I think we would all agree, though, uh, before Lincoln Riley kind of started, you know, harnessing the power of the five star like never before. Like this staff that Brent's put together just as a recruiting staff, it would be the best staff, you know, since the early Stoops days as as far as a recruiting and, and potential development staff. I mean, they've got big time names on this staff that are proven recruiters at big time schools. That I think we've already seen making waves in 23, the way that they were able to close 22 even. And plus the, the grad transfers that they brought in. Uh, or just outright transfers that they brought in. I mean, it. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sitting here saying that like the the national folks need to be sitting around and kissing everybody's ass in Norman for what they were able to salvage in a way. But I do think it has been discredited a little bit. Why hasn't been is acknowledged, that? I don't basically. know. It hasn't been acknowledged. Sure. I, I. That's a good point, Bob. Yeah, and it's just. I think it's just. It's a less sexy hire than, you know, I mean. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's also a little bit of not just from a national aspect sexy. of maybe not worry, but if I was from the outside looking in, I would say, and and we love Brent. I, that's pretty obvious. But I think that, you know, if this was somewhere else, I would say, well, why was he never hired before and why is it going to work there? 
Yeah, but the fact that you know it's what I mean? Oklahoma and then he's brought in this sure. this staff with him. It is funny and a little disingenuous in that the narrative was always, uh, well, don't let Oklahoma in the football playoff again. They can't win it. Uh, and then it's turned into, oh, what a steal USC made in getting Lincoln Riley to leave OU to come to <laughs> California. It's like, you guys were wait, you're just shitting on him like for years. And now he's the savior? Like, like I'm sure, pretty sure Colin Coward was one of those ones that was ripping on, you know, not wanting Oklahoma to be in the, the college football playoff. Yeah. Now well, and I Lincoln's think his best friend. Is, that a little bit of that has to do with just the location too. There is a need and a want, and I truly believe this by the national media. They want some type of representation on the West Coast. And I and, think they want know, Miami to be USC. great again too. I mean Sure. They no want doubt about they it. want Miami no to be in the spotlight. Maybe it's because they want trips out to Miami and they want trips to USC. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we're in the media. We know how that stuff goes. That's not a far-fetched theory. Like Stuart Mandel might just want to have nice trips to LA every once in a while, nice trips to Miami because those are good trips. I mean, you'll no get doubt. shot at in LA a lot more, but at least our experience says so. And Kodak Black's experience as well. I think I'm totally confused because I thought... He got shot at an after party. No, I saw the video and everything, but then I thought he was performing like the next night. Maybe maybe I confused him with Kid Cudi. I don't know. Uh, Kid Cudi did perform for uh, the Bengals after party, which I've never seen a team lose a Super Bowl and still have an after party. That is weird to me. Well, they're not used to being. I mean, I guess the season's over. Yeah, doesn't really matter. Maybe that was it. Yeah, it was Kid Cudi and and uh, and uh, Joe Burrow. I saw together. Yeah, on stage. But yeah, like, I, I do think that there is a want and a need. And and I'll be honest, I love it when the Blue Bloods, quote unquote, are really good at football. I love when Notre Dame's in there, and a USC or a Miami. Like I think it's it's good for the sport overall. When those teams are really, really good. But I'm also not, you know, especially now, not breaking my back to see USC get really good anytime soon. By the way, do you think that a little bit of Justin Bieber was happy that someone got shot at his after party? Like, like Bieber, cred, Bieber can cred. be like, I'm still hard. <laughs> People are getting shot like after my agent. parties. You think his agent orchestrated? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, now he can be on another Drake song. So, yeah, I, is I that mean... The, is, that, is that the cutoff? Like, you have to be shot to be in a Drake song? <laughs> or in a Drake music video? I mean, I think, I think Drake, you know, appreciates people who are hard. Uh, so, if, if he puts them on... Because he's not real hard. So if he puts you on his album no. and it brings you some street cred, yeah. Like Biebs is he's swimming in it right now. Somebody got shot after his party. Kind of cool. That does not go for Drake needs to go full Degrassi and just get back in the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're advocating for his paralysis, is what you're saying. I don't know about that, but Maybe something. I don't, get a lot of don't people know. mad at you. Unwillingly. That was a who's who Super Bowl. Yeah. 
Yep. I saw the, I mean, uh, I, I, I mean the Adrian Peterson thing was bizarre, and we kind of got details on that today. That he, like, ripped his wife's ring off, and that was the domestic violence portion of it, apparently, according to him. There's no charges. No charges are being okay. filed. She's yeah. put up an Instagram post saying that he didn't hit her. But, man. Doing AD? Fly prior, man. 8.30 a.m.? I mean, I assume you were still pretty drunk from the night before. But fighting on a plane? Ugh. Never good. Yeah, that's not the best look. Not good. Look or action, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, just all the shots of the people. Did I, I, I told people this on the board. We almost had a, and, and I don't want to get, we're trying to get away from the Lincoln Riley stuff, which we've already talked a little bit about it, but you know, the owner of the Rams, Stan Kroenke, uh, always been tight with Kings of Leon, and they were out there to play a private show. They were supposed to be in, they were at Kroenke's house, I think Friday night for a big party because they sent me a picture with like Mike Vrabel and stuff. Um, and they were supposed to be in Stan Kroenke's owner's box, and they got a message the the night before, and they're like, hey, just want to tell you guys, it is confirmed Lincoln's going to be there. Uh, <laughs> and it was very awkward because he, I think Nate called him a pussy, Nathan uh, Followell. And then he unfollowed him and unfollowed Jared. Uh, just Jared was collateral damage. And so it's been an issue for a while. Uh, but we were like, Gabe and I were actively trying to figure out exactly how they should approach it. I was telling Jared just to pretend like, uh, he didn't know that he had been unfollowed and just walk up to him and say, Hey man, I, I still appreciate you following me and all that stuff. Um, just to see what he would, <laughs> how he would react and stuff. But I think they should have just gone in and made a scene, just made an entire <laughs> scene about it. I guarantee you, uh, Nathan would have just yelled boomer the, all, the whole night. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was awkwardness avoided, which you're right. I did not like that that awkwardness was avoided. I would have enjoyed knowing that they spent that entire game in the owner's box with him. I do think it's really funny that, uh, like, Riley, and God, I swear we're not trying to harp on this, but, like, all the pics you now see of, like, him and Reggie Bush and... Like, it's going to be I'm, – I'm fascinated, like, the inner workings of what we knew the Oklahoma program to be under Lincoln Riley and what the USC program is going to be from a media access and then mm-hmm. from an alumni standpoint. Like, I don't – to be completely honest, I don't give a shit what happens on the field. I want to know what the media policies are, <laughs> and I want to know how much he uses those alumni. And if Well, they, he's going to use the alumni. Yeah, he uses – he wants them. That's his MO. That. He – he uses what he has at his disposal in order to impress prospects. Like that's what he does. That's and I'm not saying that's wrong. I look, you guys know this. I've I celebrated what he did for social media uh and you know bringing the eyeball emojis and bringing the fans to the platform. Uh it was great what he did. And he'll keep doing that and he's going to keep doing that. I mean, he's obviously been hesitant, but like you, you, I still follow him. I'm not blocked like Eddie. Um, so I see all the stuff that they're doing. Like they'll bring in Anthony Munoz and they'll bring in. The funny thing is they're bringing in players that are so old that most people don't know who they are because they don't have a lot of recent. I mean, like Reggie Bush 
and Matt Leinart really are the most, you know, current stars that played for them. And that was right as though most players were just babies. But he'll have those yeah, guys I guess around. Like Juju, Cravens. Yeah. Those are two guys that definitely would be up on that list, I guess. I think Cravens is part of their radio team or something like that. Now. Is he really? I didn't know mm -hmm. that. I had no idea. Yeah, but Juju would be probably the most notable guy that kids would know. God, there has to be one more, doesn't there? But that's the thing. Is he just going to, again, just go to the top of the top? Sure. And not allow the other, you know, like we learned through o, OU years that if you didn't serve his purpose, he wasn't going to bring you in. He just didn't want people at practice that could tell people what was going on at practice. He but cared more about just, that than he did the former players. That shit is just not going to fly in L.A. I, I know people are probably sick of us talking about it, but it well, is people just it, don't care enough. It's fascinating to me. It is true. No, I will admit, if I find out that their media policies are wide open, that will really piss me off. I might do everything well, we'll, I can we'll to get to blocked. Well, yeah. We yeah. If, if it's, it's open, open practices, we're going. <laughs> we'll go chart plays. Be interned for uh, Ryan Abram one day. Abraham. Yeah. I bet Ryan would let us do that. Unless he knows that we're toxic as fuck and he's like, <laughs> I can't even be seen in the same room with you or Lincoln will cut off all ties. I would with just me. I would just love for Lincoln to like look over to the right and see you with a camera. Oh, I think Being that's like, going to be that's why I'm going to go out there and ambush him at some point. I will do that. I will take I will pay for it. I will go out there and do it. I'm just it. waiting for him to block me because that's when I buy the banner near USC's campus drop 3 rush or rush 3 drop 8. Oh, the billboard. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, I guess they're all digital now, so he could avoid it. We could probably like uh, we could probably pay for like a homeless encampment over by uh, <laughs> USC campus and put Sooner like Scoop a, tents uh, Sooner everywhere. Scoop. <laughs> what a, what a troll that would be! Put a uh, you know maybe a, a homeless person on uh, Scoop payroll. Hey, we'll give you two fifty a month. Just let us put a couple Scoop. You could just flags give you here. go out there and, and find the closest encampment like you said and just get some scoop tents for him get him personalized nice places to live so lincoln yeah, would have to help the society at the same time we'd find out lincoln's route to work every day just put those everywhere that'd be a great try it's a great idea yeah probably wouldn't cost us a whole lot so uh probably not no we could so, do a, we could do yeah. a merch drive we can do that for sure. There you go. Yeah, um, for sure. I, by the way, uh, new hats will be back in stock soon, and visors, even more visors. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I think so many Pretty visors, good. we shouldn't be able to sell out of them quickly this time. So maybe some different colors, too, coming, and some new hats. We'll restock all the ones that were sold out of as well. So Soonerscoopstore.com, go check it out. Uh, definitely appreciate everybody that's been purchasing hats and we're getting the uh, Sooner Scoop gear as well, along with the the U40 merch. So keep an eye out for that as well. Um, outside of that, really, I think most of the news with OU football has been former players. I mean, Kyler Murray uh, in his situation in Arizona. Hollywood. 
Hollywood Brown? That is can't that be real? true. That's not real, I have no is it? Idea. There's I just no came way home that's from the real. Game last night and saw it. And it was just it was just a random dude posting that though, right? It wasn't like a journalist. I don't. Yes, I th- I think that's correct, Carrie. I mean, nobody. Come on, he's not giving up a pro football career to get, be a professional gamer. I mean, he's. I, mean, I know that. I think he's into all that, but, but yeah. I mean, like Kyler Murray is investing. Was it like Phase Clan or something like that? Like he's building a portfolio based on gaming. I, to me, that's what you do. You don't just become a gamer when somebody's paying you that, millions to play football. That Kyler Murray stuff is weird. It's just I, so I weird just, that we never saw this side of him when he was at OU. I mean, he sat out for a year. He sat behind Baker for a year. Everything seemed fine. We knew that he, we know that he's a bad, he's a sore loser. I think we saw that after the Texas game. I mean, right. we talked to people. Right. He, he the just, Ellinger thing was pretty ugly. Loser. Yeah. I the the thing about him being kind of painted as a uh, bow content in the locker room, though, that just doesn't jibe with everything that we had heard or anything that I had ever heard. I don't know. It, that seems weird. You would have more insight because of baseball, too. Yeah. I It just, like, at the end of the day, when you scrub your Instagram account, if you don't want to make a big deal about it, like, you got to know people are going to look at that stuff. What What do you want, Kyler? Like, what what is your end game here? Do you want, if you want a new contract, it just seems like he's trying to make a statement without communicating to the front office what he really wants. Yeah, it's like, do you want to get rid of of Cliff Kingsbury. Is that what you want? Like, do you want a coaching change? Do you want, um, you know, do you want something in your offensive line? Like, what is it that you want out of this other than just to create confusion and, and let the rumor mill go wild that you want out? Like, and by the actions that you have made, of course the rumors are going to run rampant. It's kind of like the stuff that we had always bitched about with access media wise. Like rumors are going to, be flamed out there and they're going to multiply if you try to control a message that isn't there. If you're just up front about things, that's one way to cut down on a lot of rumors. Like if Kyler wants a new contract, just go to the Bidwells and talk to him about it. It doesn't seem like there's yeah, I can't any believe type of that, communication out mm-hmm. there. I can't believe that he can't get things done if he wants. Like to me, he runs that place. If anybody does, it'd have to be him. I'm telling you. Being a millionaire, living in Phoenix, not such a bad life. At all. Not at all. Yeah, it's just, the whole thing's really... But I think it goes back to what you said, Eddie. I I still know what the the end of the day, do you want to trade? Like, who's... It just, it's weird. Well, and if you're in the NFL... If you're in the NFL, you've got to learn, like you said, Eddie, you've got to learn to be a better loser. Because you're going to lose. It's the NFL. Yeah. You're not going undefeated. You got to learn to Maybe deal with that. Getting stuff. Hurt I think it's, it's half of the year. Yeah, it's probably two straight years of just falling off at the end. And I think we all know just from the A&M days and dealings that we've had or other people have had that Kevin Murray can be kind of combustible too. So I don't know if, you know, some of that's in play here. But I just I never felt it was the same after the hit against the Packers. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely the the way the last two years have ended have something to do with this. Because they were not about like the same team, feeling embarrassed too, or being the blame for the offensive woes. It's like he can't help it. it even if he's injured, he can't help it that DeAndre Hopkins has been hurt. You can't right. help it that James Connors was banged up. Yeah, offensive line needs some help. I just they still had a good year. It just they lost to the Super Bowl champs too. It's not a nothing to be ashamed about. I don't know. Very strange. Yeah, and then you have. You know, Baker just going silent, which is, you know, maybe Kyler needs best to learn something there. Yeah. It's well, probably the best decision that he has made in a couple years. Just let that thing rinse. He still trends on Twitter for, for me, at least like once or twice a week still, despite the fact he's saying nothing. And that's because all the comparisons are being thrown out there. Twitter probably knows who your brother-in-law is. That's probably why. <laughs> no, but it's, I mean, there's going to be more coming out uh, and we'll start digging a lot more on off-season stuff and talking to coaches and and all that stuff. Well, we're so. waiting to get a spring practice, waiting to get a yeah. pro day schedule. We know for coming up combine, you know, there, there's stuff to be. I mean, there's going to be 11 quickly. players at the combine. That's crazy. Yeah. And I'm, I know, you know, Perion's the hot name out there right now. So not just for OU, but for in all of football, I think he's going to be picked apart like few other players in the draft after the senior bowl performance. So I know it's a really, it's a really interesting conversation as far as like where you would draft him. Like, is he going to be a dominant performer in the NFL, and I, I think that he ha- he could have a really good career. I don't know is, if I'm convinced. Is he going to say something in the work. next month to drop his stock? Right. I appreciate the honesty he had with Gabe and Teddy, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's going to that's going to be if that's going to help him. Gabe texted me after that interview, and he was like, "Yeah, I just did a 45 minute interview with Perry on Winfrey. He dropped 15 f bombs, and I'm not I'm not cutting that stuff out." It one week of there's there's just so many questions about Perrion as a player because obviously he had kick ass week down in Mobile, but you know it's kind of like everybody else says it's like the eye in the sky never lies and there's going to be times where you turn on the tape it's kind of like what the hell's going on man? Well, and I think just what what do you make of the stuff that he said about Grinch? I think he's been pretty. Critical of everybody. I think I think that's part of Perry on a lot of its emotion too. Sure. I think he just mm-hmm. feels he feels betrayed. Because I mean, the whole thing about, you know, that they'd they'd almost hatched a plan for everybody to come back. And then that happens, like, okay, we were all bought in, but you guys weren't. I think that's how Perion feels. And yeah. it pisses him off. I think it pisses a lot of those guys off. Yeah, I mean... I think, and rightfully so. That means that they care. But yeah, I mean, it's... it's, I Like, you're right. It, it's... People are going to look at his tape and they're going to say, why wasn't he as motivated during the season as he was during the Senior Bowl? Like, what's... What's that... How often does that switch flip on and off? Because he's obviously working his ass off to get a job 
is he going to work his ass off to keep a job? That's the question that everybody's going to be trying to answer. And and you've got some maturity issues with him. I mean, we've talked about some of his stuff before. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first quarter suspensions, stuff that happened on his recruiting trip in Nebraska. Yeah. Some of that stuff will be able to be explained away, too, and it only takes one team. And, I mean, that's the thing. You talk to Perry on, and he seems like a guy that has it all together. But he also, as we know, even from the Isaiah Thomas show, Perry on has no filter. So it's going to be interesting. going to be sure. interesting with uh, Nick Benito, kind of see where he comes and goes and Falls and raises and tests and all that stuff. I think he's out in Florida, maybe working out. I know he's in a totally different place than most people. Okay, he's from Florida. Yeah, that makes sense. I think maybe his agents are from Florida too. So, anyway, um, anything else you guys want to hit on before we get out of here today? Uh, we'll do a little recruiting with Jackson Arnold getting the huge, huge bump. I know OU fans yeah, had to love that came out. going from 169 to number 66 overall. And just let you know, that's the type of you know quarterback Jeff Levy can bring in. He's not just bringing in some slouch. You know, he's bringing in one of the best in the entire country and someone he noticed you know pretty early on at Ole Miss. It's not like levy ran to ou and then offered this kid it's like he already had the established connection and already done the evaluation and if you know jackson arnold ends up being as good as as what his ranking suggests you know maybe the drop off isn't going to be nearly as as much as some people might think yeah i mean that's a it's a good pickup and everybody that was like uh you not the one or that he's not arch manning he's not mckay nails or uh mckay I can't even remember his name anymore. Malachi. Malachi Nelson. Malachi yeah. Nelson. Yeah. See? Drops out of my head that fast when you decommit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's a guy that arguably is as good as anyone else in the country. I mean, you can make a case for that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that at least something Rivals did can put OU fans' minds at ease. <laughs> I know it doesn't help with Austin Cozart, but... Sorry. Yeah, Ash, Ash. I, I don't know how Ashton's not a 250 or 5.84 star at this point, but maybe it'll change after camp season. Just blame it on Josh. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. Exactly. And we did have a, I mean, a big local thing yesterday with By Job, mm-hmm. community Christian, getting Alabama and Georgia offers. And I'd love to talk to Josh because I, I know he had more of an insight of what the previous staff thought of him. But me, you know, you know me and you, Eddie, we, we were there in June when Bai was at the camp. Sure. Looked really good. But as the, his junior season progressed, never felt like he were any closer to being offered by OU until Venables officially took over. You know, the funny thing about Bai, too, is just the fact that it's so crazy to think about. Like he has all these offers right now, and he just finished his first year playing football. Yep, he's still learning the game, let alone the ins and outs of it. It's just it's going to be 
really fun to see how much he develops over the next 12 months and even maybe the next 24 months or two years just as a football player, let alone like what he could be in five years when he gets done with college. That'll be one of those kids you really circle for camp season. I don't know how much you learn from watching him at community Christian. And we've, we already had some board members say he hasn't looked like the most dominant player on the field, you know, when he's going against two a competition. So what, what's that going to mean going forward, but get him under armor rivals. Let's, you know, let's see what, what he can really do. And, you know, see if that ranking can be justified. Yeah. And that's why I say like, you know, maybe he hasn't been as dominant, but you got to remember like this kid was asking what a, what a hitch route was 13 months ago. and was literally learning the rules of football. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, we'll be back at full strength uh, next week. Appreciate you guys. In the ba- I'm sure Absolutely. people appreciate the basketball talk. If you didn't. And we'll have two games have been played by the time we go next Wednesday. So we could really, we could be talking about 14 and 14 for all, for all we know. Let's face it. Iowa State's going to say a lot. Yep. I mean, if you go up to Ames and lose that game. You might just be walking your way out. You're gonna. Out of you the have tournament. a lot of tired legs right now. Four guys have played more than the uh, 36 minutes last night, and see how quickly they bounce back. Yeah, that uh, the the concussion stuff was not uh, good for the guard depth for sure. You saw a lot yeah. of tired guys out there last night on the floor. So. All right, that's going to do it. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com.